0: Mahomes has the time, delivers perfectly downfield, touchdown. Patrick Mahomes with a rope, this one
1: out touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Can he, catch it? he did. Hello and welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co-host here of the Road of His Overtime podcast, co-host of Stadium Bananas with Ben Gretch. Sean, it is an action-packed week here. We we tend to have uh, three shows a week, which was an up from our two shows a week last week. We uh, had the draft that we did, so we I think we might have had six shows, <laughs> and this week uh, we're hitting four shows. So we're uh, you can't say that we're not sending content the listeners' way uh, at this stage of the the season.
2: No, and we're getting ready to go into heavy draft season. We want to make sure that you have everything you need to dominate those festivities and just this is the fun time of the year so we're really getting it cranked up
1: yeah it's gonna be fun and you mentioned leagues Uh, i had a few emails this week for people interested in some basketball listener leagues i know people are looking to see for for different options to compete against myself and sean Uh, so if you're interested in getting into an upcoming draft maybe a basketball league and i've mentioned i've been putting out leagues that i'm signed up to on the ffpc up on twitter and a lot of the listeners are jumping into those but if you're interested in uh, a league just solely for Rotoviz ot uh, send me uh, an email over at at gmail.com if we do get enough people that want to jump in we'll get one of those set up over the coming months but plenty of opportunities to draft as sean mentioned we are drafting at the moment we're drafting the scott fishbowl we're getting close to the end um you know, Sean. I think you're in round 20 or 21 at this point I'm down at round 19 or so I think I'm actually into round 20 at this point but it's going through not too bad I see some divisions are uh, going incredibly slow but uh, we both drafted out of the third spot so it'll be interesting to just have a quick glance at how our teams are going we did inform the listeners last week that we were identical in our first two starts it was Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill I actually looked uh, after it and there was nine combinations off that start so it's quite interesting that there's nine out of I think it's nearly 1900 people but two of those uh, were hosts of this podcast so that is (laughs) we we definitely uh, got something there but when we look through it then uh, just a recap of kind of how the teams have gone Uh, I I did take Stefan Diggs in in the third round the one that i'm interested to get your thoughts on here is uh in your in your draft um it was a situation where tj hawkinson went one pick before your pick in the third round you took justin jefferson In my league and the fourth round i doubled down on the tight end i took tj hawkinson and i had the opportunity to get jefferson he went a couple of picks later would you have taken hawkinson over jefferson or was jefferson always the pick there for you
2: i was planning to take hawkinson but as i look back on it i think even with the big emphasis that tight ends should have in this format. The Jefferson probably is going to outscore him this season. And I was able to get a lot of tight ends that I liked later. I kept loading up on them. The rest of my draft continued to uh, not care, right? It never started a tight end run. The rest of my league mates are are very willing to go uh, with really probably just the tight end starting, not planning to use their other tight ends in the flex and so I like the way that this developed. Hawkinson, definitely someone that we really like, but Jefferson in that spot in the fourth round, I think is an almost no brainer kind of pick. Colin, we actually were talking a little bit about SFB on stealing signals, this idea of using some unique formats to force you to think, force you to sort of reset and go through really what you want to do, make sure that your normal approaches work and to be creative. And it was interesting with that, I thought, that there were a handful of teams. You mentioned that we were a couple of teams that started Kelsey Hill. I was not able to get Stefan Diggs. He was actually gone when it came to me in round two already. You were able to get him in round three. We had Drew Dickmeyer on ceiling Bananas this week. He and Ben were also two of the other guys who were able to do this Hill-Diggs lineup. So you're in some very good company with that hill digs start. How do you feel as you move down with your quarterbacks here, having not gotten them early, you have Ben Roethlisberger in round six, then Zach Wilson, the rookie in round 10, your team is loaded, right? You have McLaurin, Ayuk, Chenault, Landry also added in with those tight ends. Are you comfortable with, with where you are at the quarterback position in this league where not only is it super flex, but as listeners who, uh, participated on the Scott Fish show, know that it's not just super flex, but it's super flex where the top quarterbacks are really separated from these guys who might even get you negative points on a weekly basis.
1: Yeah, I think uh comfortable um is a very strong word to use. Um, but they were the options I think available. The reason it went that we did actually touch on Ben roethlisberger in one of our recent shows to say that we didn't think that he I think it was on our draft when we were doing our live draft that he's going at a spot like that is so much beyond what I think he should be so he was at that point and I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is the other option we've talked about him a few times I know you drafted him a couple of rounds later but Roethlisberger for me is the last clear clear starter I suppose we could go for Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold but they for me were falling really into that negative territory off the turnovers and so on so the last starter that I thought could put up numbers far exceeding where he is my intention in this. And this is what I kind of decided after the, the start that I took was it's likely coming a case. I'm going to be starting one quarterback throughout the season. I, I, I think that it'll be tight end or wide receiver and the, the flexes and the super flex position. And um, that now could really come back to haunt me, but I was just trying to diversify a little bit away from what the field would be doing, you know, It'd be nice to win my division but the goal here is to to try and do something different than everyone else is doing when we get to those final stages so overall i think the the team at wide receiver i think is in a phenomenal position i did go for noah fant who you also drafted so i went for three tight ends in those opening seven rounds and it was just to try another way of trying to kind of diversify a little bit then i think there is teams who have really neglected the tight end position so i think there'll be struggles there I guess that those teams will be saying that i really neg- neglected the running back position um but in in that situation i think i've actually rounded it out pretty well I, I, we've got a lot of those candidates that we've been talking about on a lot of shows Um, you know zach moss um jo- uh, i went i got jamal williams um philip lindsay rashid penny uh kenneth gainwell and then stevenson as well of the patriots so look i I think some of them are probably going to work out but running back is going to be going to be a little bit interesting but i think when you're drafting at this stage before we've had preseason, you get as many kind of names in there as you can i think we should we should fill out but I, i i'm i'm pretty overall happy with how it's filled out the one thing i did notice looking at my draft board and looking at your draft board there is a number of players that are the same but I'm interested to find out how you got them all at a round or two rounds later than I, I got them in my drafts. That's the thing I, I'm interested in. It's interesting to see how the different ADP filled in both of them, but there's uh, quite a few guys. Uh, I drafted uh Fant in the seventh, you got him in the eighth, so there's only a sixth pick, six pick difference there, but uh, some of the other guys then that we did end up having the same, uh, Rashad Penny, you got him in the 18th round. Uh, I draft from the 16th round, uh, so there's a couple of guys like that um, that I've I've obviously gone and got a lot earlier. Uh, what what was the secret there, Sean?
2: Uh, just luck, right? Obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, in looking at the two drafts, I do see that I was able to get Chennault two rounds later than you. But by contrast, you were able to pick Zach Moss in round 12. Uh, you actually had the choice between Moss, uh, Connor, Daryl Henderson at that point. I mean, those are all. Home run options. I mean, you, you almost have to be disappointed that you couldn't make multiple picks there. Moss was long gone by that point in my draft. Now, because I did go for Acres as my one early running back, I wasn't too worried about trying to get any running backs in that area. I picked Tyler Boyd instead of Moss at that point. One of the things that you do notice when you kind of go back through and look at not only how the first downs work, which you can see from the great work by Matt Spencer, but also just looking at recent stats, you'll find that some of these possession receivers may be a little bit undervalued. You have Tyler Boyd as someone who uh, during the time when Joe Burrow was, was healthy last year was scoring very well in this format. So I think he's pretty undervalued there. You had Jarvis Landry, uh, someone who once Baker Mayfield took off in the second half of the season landry sport very well that kind of corresponded too with the time period where landry was healthy one of the uh, kind of stealth stories from the first half of 2020 was that landry was in fact not healthy when the season started but then he really did become his real self again down the stretch if you believe that that health difference mattered and if you believe that this Uh, sort of renaissance from baker mayfield is kind of the real mayfield going forward i think he's finally kind of taken that step to be uh, more than just a low-end nfl starter if you think that he's now a slightly above average nfl starter i don't think any of us think that he's a star but if he can be a little bit above average in that cleveland offense then someone like jarvis landry becomes very very interesting so uh, i like that selection there Uh, you mentioned the running backs that you got late I, I think that that group is going to do very well for you I, I keep pushing off and keep pushing off the running backs because i have had a chance to get some of these tight ends i took logan thomas in the fifth i think probably one of the earliest if not the earliest guy there but i then selected ryan fitzpatrick a little bit later i, I really like that combination i'll probably be wrong on that one but that's one that i think could pay off for fantasy owners this season and then we got into round 12 and Zach Ertz is still on the board at that price. I think Ertz is really interesting. He's interesting in a format like the fishbowl where it's like double tight end premium, but he's also interesting in a lot of these best ball leagues where both because he's old, he wasn't particularly good last year. He right now appears to have a week 14 buy, and no one knows where he's going to go. Right. But almost certainly Ertz is going to be somewhere else. And a lot of those things are going to change. Now he's still going to be old. He's still going to have not had a great season last year, but if that's a little bit more of a fluke. And again, we don't necessarily like to chase old players coming off of bad seasons, but price matters a lot. And we're talking about a position that doesn't have a lot of stars and you can get someone who very recently was not just a good player, but a great player. And, The context is going to change in a way that could be beneficial. Again, you can't afford to be paying like it's going to happen. But I think that Ertz is valued as if he's going to have a a very run-of-the-mill, non-competitive sort of tight end season. He's not going to hurt you a ton at that price, but the upside is pretty extreme. And then in round 16, I went ahead and took Blake Jarwin. Jarwin, as listeners know, is not the... Dallas tight end that we're necessarily betting on but I wanted to have a little bit of exposure here when he had fallen to tight end 29 right I mean that's well below where he normally goes so if I'm in a league with other drafters who don't believe in him then I'll go ahead and take that price I mean I'm all, almost be comfortable with Dalton Schultz <laughs> at that price so to get the guy that most participants are higher on including a lot of very sharp minds that's the time to get exposure so you know if you're listening to the show and you're thinking okay well I you know normally the things that colin and sean say i agree with but you know they're wrong on the dallas tight ends find situations like this to where you can get a little exposure but at a very very palatable price to where yeah then if you if we're wrong and it works out for jarwin not only do you get the value that it worked out but you get the value that it worked out at a phenomenal price give you even a little bit more impact
1: yeah that's a good piece of advice and and I mentioned at the start some, uh, you know, if you're interested in listener leagues, but some of the listeners of this show are playing in the Scott Fish Bowl, and they were hoping to represent the Rotoviz brand with the zero RB approach. Uh, there was a lot of uh, conversation going on. I know Blair was tagged in it, and I know Ben Gretsch was tagged in it, and w- there was a lot of conversation going back and forth. Of course, uh, Anthony Miko was in it. Um, we were trying to see, I, and I haven't seen an update since, but Blair dropped out, and then Ben dropped out, and then I got as far as the 12th round. And at that point, I think, maybe the 1208 or the 1209 was leading the way as the the latest uh, running back, but I just couldn't pass. You mentioned the names there, Zach Moss, uh, uh, James Conner, and then um, uh, Henderson there as well. Pollard was there in that range. I just couldn't pass. I had to to take one of them at that point. Um, But I did then just... Flipped the switch completely, so in the next uh, in the next seven picks, I took six running backs in the kicker. So I, I really went uh, running back uh, crazy at that point. But that was a, a fun little bit. So I must check up to see where where it ended up. Who took the the latest running back? But uh it was it was a fun one?
2: Yeah, you got a lot of good names there. We've been barely missing on Darrington Evans and some drafts that I've been doing. I wanted to go ahead and make sure I got him here. He was someone that Drew mentioned on our stealing bananas episode as a late running back that you really want to get if you're trying to win these big tournaments. Now he doesn't necessarily have the standalone value that creates a little bit of consternation, I think, because, you know, we'd like to have a little bit of the standalone value with it. But Drew mentioned, you know, you want to get these offenses where the running back going down is not going to change what happens. And one of the guys that we like because he's a big talent, that's something else that we've really focused on with stealing bananas but maybe the offense is a problem regardless. So Philip Lindsay, someone I have a lot of ownership of, but you know, if he replaces David Johnson as the bell cow, that offense is still going to be terrible. Whereas if Derrick Henry goes down and Darren Evans pops in, yeah, there are some actual questions remaining about Evans and where he is because his rookie season was more or less wiped out by injury. This idea that he's their Alvin Kamara, they weren't able to show that at all, right? And so that's still up in the air at the same time. We know that Tennessee overall is probably going to be fine. Ryan Tannehill is playing too well. They have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, so they're going to move the ball, and then Evans could be the real beneficiary. So if we're looking at players who give us the upside to win the whole thing, we want to have someone like Evans in there, Javion Hawkins, someone that I was able to pick in round 20. He's actually been going just after the range where drafts are ending and i would be targeting him as my next running back in a lot of formats but he fits perfectly here he's someone i'm going to try and get a little bit more at least until we get into training camp and find out that maybe the falcons are going a different direction but if you don't believe in mike davis then even though hawkins was this undrafted free agent i mean you can't forget what philip Lindsay did you can't forget what james robinson did in You know, I think there's this temptation to say, oh, well, this is just going to be the next guy. I mean, picking out someone as an undrafted free agent who's going to go and have a massive impact as a rookie, there's some absurdity to that, right? At the same time, Hawkins was a very, very, very good player. Should have been drafted, you know, no later than the fourth round. I mean, if you're a real optimist, you could even make a case for him as a third round back. The fact that the NFL made some really squirrely decisions at running back shouldn't change how you feel about him now that he is in Atlanta where the opportunity there could just be off the charts. So uh, a variety of very intriguing late round guys, we talk about it every year, but there are opportunities late. Remember, you don't have to have a 300 point season from your late round running back. What you have to find are some startable games to get you through those weeks and make the rest of your team, which is going to be so dynamic, make it successful as you move into the playoffs.
1: Hey, RotoViz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO21. That's RVRADIO21, and you're going to save 10%.
2: learn more at marines.com
1: so sean we're going to look here at a, a debut piece we've had a few on the last couple of shows some very very uh, interesting new writers up on the road of his website and phenomenal starts so if the the debut pieces are anything to go by and um, we're going to be in for some really uh great content here over the next couple of weeks and months this one is rob larg and we're looking at a piece that he looks at at the tampa bay buccaneers and seeing what we should do so in terms of the buccaneers won the super bowl a lot of uh, expectation from the wide receiver core heading into this season uh, he's looking at two wide receiver targets and one controversial fade in tampa bay what's your overall i, I know from talking baseball uh earlier this offseason you were drafting tom brady um you still continuing to kind of uh, be in on the the bucks for this season
2: Definitely. And and in on Brady, I've talked about how I think that he's one of those guys where if you miss on these elite dual threat quarterbacks, then you do have some players who can help you bridge at least part of that gap. And I think Brady is one of the guys. One of the things interesting here about Rob's piece is that there is a lot of different evidence pointing in different directions about the Tampa Bay wide receivers, right? And one of the things that makes it a little bit tricky is that they miss time at different areas. So obviously we know Antonio Brown suspended for the first eight weeks you go and you try and look at weeks nine to 17 and find out how they played when all three guys were there and then you have this kind of weird dynamic where mike evans went down early in week 17 and brady was forcing the ball to antonio brown for a variety of reasons he has this 37 point game it really kind of skews the numbers but we can pull up the weekly explorer we can look at weeks nine through 16 and see that in sort of a bizarre way, Mike Evans was the guy who did the big-time scoring here, right? He had 10 more targets than the other two guys. He had over 100 more receiving yards than either of their two. He had more touchdowns than Godwin and Brown combined. But the reason I say that that's strange is that we know that if you have two guys, like a Mike Godwin and an Antonio Brown, that it's going to be difficult to have the same target volume. And while target volume isn't everything, it does matter. You know, you're going to have a, a different number of fantasy points if you have a 25% share as opposed to a, a 20% share, even if you're a little bit more efficient at that lower level. But the strange thing about it is that Mike Evans averaged 17.2 points per game last season when Antonio Brown played and only 13.7 when he didn't. And there are a lot of things kind of embedded in this, but one of them is this reminder that you put more good players on the field and sometimes a rising tide will lift all boats in a way where now the offense can be more explosive. The defense doesn't really have, you know, anything that it can really key on because you have so many good guys and the efficiency levels really jump. The other part of it is just a reminder that splits can be a little bit misleading. When a split is this obviously wrong in terms of what it would tell us for next year i mean that's that's not going to be the way that it is going forward right you're not going to sustain a split where you're that much more effective with three elite wide receivers as you are with two so this is a reminder that in the first half of the season this buccaneers offense was really trying to get up to speed mike evans and tom brady were trying to feel each other out you know you didn't necessarily have as much chance to build that rapport with the pandemic season and so part of this is simply that the tampa bay offense got better and was more explosive well you know that says okay well tom brady again probably somebody we should be targeting in drafts but it creates a difficult question when we look at these three guys because we know that godwin was not healthy last year he actually put up very good numbers when you consider all the different injuries he was battling through and then antonio brown you know it's one thing to say well you know mike evans is trying to get used to how this offense is going to work i mean antonio brown had to come in in the middle of the season And so we know it probably took him a little bit of time getting up to speed. One of the cool things that Rob does in his article here is he goes to the range of outcomes tool and he looks at how these guys match with historical players and what that means for their outcomes going forward. And he finds that Evans looks a little bit overvalued. Godwin looks a little bit undervalued. Brown looks appropriately valued. And so my question then for you would be, really, what do we do with Mike Evans to where we know he had some explosive games down the stretch. We know he actually did fine last season when all three guys were in place. And yet at the same time, we have these historical matches that don't look that great for him. And we have some concerning peripherals in that his target share dropped and his air yards per target dropped, which with those two things combined, he has... A much lower number of total air yards, and he has a much lower number of overall receiving yards. His yards per reception drops. A little bit of that is covered over by these 13 receiving touchdowns. Now, one of the things that I've been emphasizing people when they talk about this, and they say, "Oh, well, he's got to have a big regression in that category," is that you know we talk a lot about the freak score. Matt Spencer had some great info recently on that, showing just how well it is projecting these touchdown scores. We know Mike Evans fits perfectly what you want in someone who both is going to be a red zone threat and a vertical, a long touchdown threat. Now he's with probably the best quarterback that he's ever played with. You'd expect this offense to have a huge number of passing touchdowns, and a lot of those are going to go through Mike Evans. So we have evidence that points in a lot of different directions, I think, makes it tricky to decide really what we want to do. So, Colin, I'm going to throw this question to you for today's show. How should we attack this Tampa Bay offense – Knowing that there is uncertainty, knowing that we're not necessarily going to always get it right, but in terms of creating exposure, trying to get as much upside at the price as we can and limit our downside, how would you be drafting these three guys?
1: You mentioned Evans, and if we look through those numbers from when he was drafted, it was his lowest target share, but it was the lowest target share by quite quite a way, um, four percent lower than any other year and most of his years it's six percent lower so um quite quite a drop when we look at it just from that way but it was the first time where there really was a, a third wide receiver um off any standing involved in it but you mentioned the air yards and they did drop quite significantly and it was his lowest of his career so the one concern with him would be if the uh if the touchdown volume isn't there which he has been pretty consistent throughout his career at getting those touchdowns my my concern would be how much it falls off so he is a six touchdown season this year with the same overall numbers it is going to be a disappointing season based on his current adp um i think antonio O'Brien is an interesting one and this is where it comes into the morals of the dilemma i'm not going to say that i'm the the best morals in the world or anything like that but antonio O'Brien has done a lot of stuff that i would question and uh, that's one of the reasons i think his adp is a fair value I haven't drafted him as as of yet this offseason. I, I probably won't just just purely because of that. But I think that his ADP is fair. I think there is upside there. I think when we look at what Tom Brady has done with wide receivers playing in that sort of Brown role where there's those short intermediate rights has been very, very consistent over his career. Uh, I think Brown is, you know, exceptional when he's when he's in, in that mode. Um I still think there's upside there. If you look, the other thing I always think is Brady and Brown were in New England. He got cut left. Brady goes to to Tampa and basically makes the case that we need to sign Antonio Brown. I think there's a lot in that relationship and I think that shows how much he thinks that Brown can mean to this offense. So Brown at his value I think is the probably the, the best one to target um, if you're looking for value. Uh, the one I have been drafting is Chris Godwin. Uh, not a huge amount. There's other wide receivers in that range that I really do like but I have drafted him in a, a few of those best ball leagues this year. I, I just really like Godwin as a player. He is back on a you know his, his contract for this season, and I still think he'll be out of Tampa um, after this year. So a lot to prove from him as well. So it's a very, very difficult one to split. But if I was in based on value, I'd be in Brown, then Godwin, then Evans.
2: And that's what Rob comes to in his article. Uh, excellent debut. I think that when we look at the values these guys have and the different scenarios that could play out. One of the things that I mentioned in terms of uh, kind of working through this article with Robin and discussing, you know, what the value would be, what the scenario would be, the value doesn't scream out to me. You know, we think, okay, well, wide receiver 40, wide receiver 41. I mean, there's no risk at that level. Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are still going after him. Right. And all three of those guys do have slightly better range of outcomes projections. Will Fuller's is much, much better. But we know with Fuller that he's got the suspension. He's got that week 14 bye, which in your format may be a little bit of an issue. He's in this uncertain offense with the Dolphins. We focused on the Dolphins in past shows, but there is some concern about what his target share might be this season. That's much less true, I think, for Brandon Cooks and Curtis Samuel. Cooks, someone who uh, their depth chart is so devastated that an injury isn't going to make a difference there. An injury in Tampa and suddenly you have Antonio Brown as a pretty clear top 20, maybe top 15 wide receiver. So you can see how if the same kind of thing happens with Chris Godwin and he misses a little bit of time and he was just so banged up last season, there's the opportunity for Brown to destroy his ADP. I do think we have to consider the fact there's an opportunity for Brown to basically score zero. You mentioned the concerns that we have in terms of some of his behavior. I, the thing that I worry for him is that there's so many things that have come out in the last several seasons about just the brain damage that the players are suffering. And that's sort of another sort of moral question off to the side. But a lot of the behavior that he's had would fit very clearly with that type of thing. And the main concern that you have for the player in that situation is just their mental health and their overall health. And you're hoping that even people who have made maybe some bad decisions in the past, when you look at someone like a Tyreek Hill, where uh, made some very, very poor decisions and even then was in the news, uh, you know, more recently about perhaps another poor decision. And at the same time, it looks like his life is trending in a positive direction that maybe the the more recent news was not accurate. And, you know, what we want for these guys is to develop in their lives in the same way that we want that for ourselves. Right. So we're mostly concerned with his own health there, but it is something that from a fantasy perspective, we have to realize that Antonio Brown is, you know, very one very, you know minor infraction from potentially missing a big chunk of the season we can't completely ignore that when we look at some of the problems that some of the players have had you know once they kind of get into that range so big upside big downside there for brown i think the the player who maybe is less controversial but equally difficult to predict is chris godwin because he had this amazing wide receiver two season in 2019 he looks like the combination these other two players right he's got that vertical upside of mike evans he's got the underneath and intermediate dominance of an antonio brown and so it's a question of how hurt was he last year the answer that i get when i research this is, is probably very injured and playing in a situation where maybe a lot of other guys wouldn't have played you know to look at what's a disappointing season and realize just like how much he was struggling with and he was still able to do that I don't think that he's going to bounce back to be the wide receiver too in this group where they have the three receivers. They have to split the targets between, but I do think that he's probably best positioned to beat ADP and perhaps does have, again, one of these epic seasons in his range of outcomes. If things break the right way, we tend to focus on, you know, what would happen for Antonio Brown if one of the two guys gets injured, but you know, Evans, Godwin, they're drafted in a range that doesn't reflect, you know, what they've done at their peaks and so it's very possible that those guys could also smash.
1: Yeah. No, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Um, for a team who won the Super Bowl, I think there's a lot less being talked. And you made the point there. Obviously, we, we talk with the Chiefs. Um, we have Patrick Mahomes, what they're doing. But when we see where the likes of Kelsey and Heller drafted, and then we see... Where, you know godwin and uh, evans are being drafted there's obviously a, a big gap in that adp as well so um it's gonna be interesting to see how the the box plays out this year at some point tom brady is going to have to stop throwing touchdowns in the nfl I, I really have given up on guessing when that is going to be uh it just seems to to be a continuous process for him but that's going to bring us towards the end of today's edition of the podcast the third one of the week we have two shows with Travis May already this week. Uh, if you haven't checked them out, head back, have a listen. Talked a lot of college and Debbie players that uh, will be interesting for you in your future leagues, I guess, in terms of uh, dynasty and uh, then eventually into your redraft leagues as well. As always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RBRadio2021 at checkout. Go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for further information that is going to get us to the end of today's show drop us a written and review and your favorite podcast app you can give me a follow on twitter if you do so wish at overtime ireland and sean siegel as always is a co-host here check out sean's recent work up on rotavis.com as well as stealing bananas podcast with ben gretz until we're back on saturday with another podcast have a good one